Hi, this is Dave Michaels from Talking Points. I'm doing another UC Today panel discussion. Today we'll be talking about the role of hardware in software-powered meetings. And I have with me a group of experts. We've got uh, David Bryan, the CTO of Poly. Hello, David. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. And coming from overseas, we have Simon Tigre from, he's the CEO and co-founder of Neat in uh, Norway. Hello, Simon. Hello there, Dave. Good to be here. So I've got a couple of data points that might suggest that uh, hardware just doesn't matter anymore. And I'm pretty sure the two of you will disagree with that. So let's start off with, uh, uh, let me bait you into some conversation here. We'll, uh, uh, we'll start off with Simon here. So um, there's been a steady flow of new features from major conferencing companies, particularly around things like background manipulation. Um, and, so, and some other features, uh, and these are all software-based. So, so why do you think hardware matters? And then we'll get to David here right after that. Well, I think the, the, the key thing here is uh, to continue to push innovation. Uh, so if you look at the mobile phone, which I think is a, is a great example, I, I, I'm sure we can both agree or all of us agree that there's been a lot of software innovation on mobile phones, right? Since the first mobile video phone came out in 1999, uh, but, you know, there's a whole slew of hardware innovations as well to enable that, you know, great software uh, analysis and algorithm and all this good stuff to, uh, to be delivered. So, so well, that's I, a terrible I think analogy. That's, that's mobile cool. phones are the one thing you don't make in the, when it comes to the hardware. So. <laughs> well, I think, I think uh, you know, if you look at the mobile you know, phones, we're, we're kind of back in the 1999s with video, right? If you look at a video room system, it's still basically, you know, a camera, a speaker, a microphone, and maybe a few other things. Uh, but I'm expecting there to be a lot of cool innovations coming out on hardware as well as software. And if you really want to take some of the software analysis and, you know, uh, AI, you know, to the next level, you need to push the boundaries with the hardware, right? You need high resolution cameras and sensors and all this good stuff, right? Okay. I want to, I want to get to the future too, but uh, David, what do, what do you, why do you think hardware matters today? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to disagree that hardware matters, you know, so, uh, but I, I think there's even a little more to it, right? I mean, obviously, we can, uh, with hardware, help to have better picture, we can have better sound in ways that, um, you know, your regular laptop or your iPad or whatever isn't going to, uh, but there's also awareness of the environment, right? Um, so, these devices um, are able to sort of understand where they're placed, they're able to know things about the speakers in the room, and make adjustments that just give you an experience and a level of quality that's really quite difficult to do on just, you know, a webcam hooked on your PC, let's say. So, yeah, I think there's a lot coming down the pike, uh, and a lot of it uh, will be requiring, you know, uh, knowledge from that edge, knowledge from so, the hardware. So I, still I want relevant. to believe you. I want to agree with both of you on this, <laughs> but, but there's just a few data points we have to get out of the way. Actually, I do, <laughs> I do agree with you, but, but, but I want to nail this a little more clearly. And so, so <laughs> recently, and it hasn't been delivered yet, Microsoft has announced room system compatibility with uh, both Cisco and Zoom. So the Zoom rooms and uh, Cisco's WebEx rooms. Um, that means soon that using Teams, a room system can be uh, um, MTR, what is that, Microsoft Teams room, Teams room, uh, a Zoom room or Cisco WebEx room. Um, so if this is actually delivered, doesn't that just mean that hardware is fully commoditized, David? 
Uh, no, because there's different things that different vendors go and, and do on their devices, right? So uh, one of the things, for example, we do, we've worked very hard over the years at understanding kind of the meeting experience and really getting almost like a producer in the box, if you will, somebody who's choosing the right cameras, helping you with audio, helping you with video. Um, and even if you are in a multi-platform world, and, and obviously, you know, at Poly, we love that. We're certified with Zoom, certified with Teams, right? Um, you still need to try to get what you send up to the outside world as good as you can get it. And ideally do it in a way that is seamless, right? Um, you don't want to be mucking with a bunch of settings on the screens. Uh, you want to have a world where the device is trying to intelligently help you with that. So I think there's still a lot of room for that. Room specifically for Zoom rooms, did that announcement that Zoom made with Cisco uh, with, with, with Microsoft uh, affect your thoughts about how to approach hardware? Uh, no, I mean, I think that, you know, it's an important piece, but obviously, uh, you know, and I, I suspect we'll, we'll hear the same thing from Simon. Uh, we're, regardless of who we're working with, we're trying to get the best experience for the, uh, the end user. So Simon, did that affect you at all? No, I don't think it does. I, I, I got to say, I've been in this industry for 15 years. And back when I started at Tamburg in 2005, Wayne House wrote this you know, white paper about LCS from Microsoft interoperating, uh, interoperating with Tamburg endpoints. And you know, that's why I started Pexip with a few Tamburg colleagues to solve that interoperability problem. So call me a skeptic. I'm not sure you know, it's going to happen this time. I would love for it to be easier because a lot of customers are asking for better interoperability. But I think you know, what customers really want, to Dave's point here, is, you know, you don't really want to care about that technology. You want that to be blurred. You want the device to be intelligent and smart enough to, you know, predict what you're going to do and provide that best audio and best video and, and you know, uh, start that meeting for you or, you know, the screen share should happen on the screen that you want it to happen on, right? So, you know, and, and this is really hard to do with, you know, bits and pieces of hardware pulled together. And, and when you try to, you know, combine Teams with Zoom and all these, it just gets more complicated, right? So, so I think that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't see that this is in any way commoditizing hardware. Actually, I think that, you know, this is just gonna show us how important it is to, to, um, to, uh, to use hardware together with software to, to blend it away for the user, right? Now, now, both of your companies, Polly and Neat, you both offer uh, appliances. Uh, uh, now, before the appliances were basically USB type of peripheral attachments that we that we used to consider as normal, and now you're pushing appliances. And so, as we move toward the appliance world, there's a lot of discussion around operating systems, uh, Windows-based operating systems, and, uh, and Android-based operating systems. Uh, both Poly has uh, both Poly and Neat have your own version of an operating system that you offer in your appliances. Does as an end user or as an IT administrator, I should say, does the operating system matter? Uh, Simon. Um, I think it does because, you know, the operating system needs to be there to take advantage of the, of the hardware, right? So if you look at a PC-based system, obviously the operating system of that system has been designed to be very flexible. Your general, you know, Swiss army knife of all the different tasks that you need to do as, a, as, a, as an employee or a worker. Uh, but, you know, that's, you know, uh, not really taking advantage of what you need in a meeting room necessarily, right? So, uh, you know, I don't like the word appliance. You know, I don't call my laptop an appliance or my phone or my electric car an appliance. I mean, it, it, again, it's, it's one of those things where you shouldn't really care about the operating system, you know, from a user perspective, not even from an administrative perspective. But, 
uh, it needs to be highly efficient and optimized for the hardware, uh, you know, so you can really, you know, push again, uh, the user experience. David, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think uh, I definitely kind of agree with that. You know, ideally, like so many of these things, uh, you want it to be a transparent and, and really, uh, for the user particularly, an experience where they don't have to worry about that. You just want to make it as comfortable and easy as possible. Uh, certainly, it does help for the IT side, uh, whether it's managing a headset or a speakerphone or a video appliance. You want them to have kind of a unified ability to go and work with those things. Uh, so it's maybe a little bit more relevant for the administrator, um, but really for the end user, I mean, it's kind of our job for us and for Neat to get all that right, but to kind of make it disappear as much as we can so that it's just a really um, enjoyable uh, experience, right? So Yeah. Now, uh, we're talking, obviously, about room systems. Room systems or huddle rooms were, were surging, you know, late last year, early this year kind of went on pause, hit the pause button with the uh, pandemic. Uh, I think the three of us will probably all agree that we expect that surge to continue uh, as the people return back to work later this year, hopefully, with uh, even, even possibly increased demand for, for new room systems. So let me, let me kind of uh, highlight one of the differences here between the companies. Um, what is the role of the channel partner when it comes to room systems? And what, what, what is that desired objective role? And how does a uh, enterprise uh, know whether they need a channel partner or not? Let's start off with uh, uh, David. Yeah, I mean, obviously, some of that does come down to the organization itself, right? Um, there are certainly, you know, very small companies or even uh, companies where maybe they do a lot of it in-house. Uh, where maybe there is, you know, less of a role there. And, and I'm sure that that's definitely the case for some folks. Uh, but for others, the advantage that the channel partner brings is kind of helping you to tailor that whole solution across the organization, right? Whether it's um, looking at a room system, maybe you want to figure out how that works with the rest of your UC solution, or even the rest of your, you know, regular enterprise mail and everything else, right? So I think where a channel partner can be very valuable is helping look across the organization and really um, getting you something kind of back to your earlier point that's as easy to manage and easy to sort of uh, work with as you can get, right? That's not to say there isn't a place for being able to just go, you know, buy something and go. That, that certainly happens, right? Uh, but there's a lot of value that they can bring, particularly when you try to look across the whole platform. Now, Simon, you kind of shook up the, uh, the space with a direct model. I, I, I believe it was only a direct model uh, worldwide. How has that worked out for you? It's worked great. And I got to, you know, uh, say, you know, Dave, I've worked in this industry for 15 years and I've, I've worked with a lot of channels and built a lot of businesses on, on the back of the channel. And, uh, you know, they've done a, a great job for this industry. But I think also when you see this, you know, this new surge of devices that are more consumer like, right, price points are coming down. Simplicity is on a different level. I think that this is changing in terms of what the role of the channel can be. So I, I think that, you know, the, the traditional AV integrator that used to thrive on the complexity of these, you know, complicated solutions will probably be marginalized. But I think, you know, for channel partners to take this shift in, you know, how the volumes are increasing, the simplicity is, is, uh, is, is a whole different ballgame. Uh, and then, you know, adapting to that and supporting, you know, the larger organizations, like David said, you know, uh, no doubt if a, if a customer wants to deploy hundreds and thousands of, of, of endpoints, 
they will want somebody probably to manage that project for them, right? Take care of the deployment, you know, provide that local support. Uh, so, so, but it's going to be a different game, I think, uh, than what it's been in the past. All right. Now, on the surface, uh, your companies always act like you're in lockstep with the conferencing providers that you work with. Um, now, I want to get to the dirty laundry here. I, I, I got to believe that uh, there's some conflict going on here. There's things like maybe proximity detection, uh, a, a number of features are obviously best implemented on the hardware. Uh, some features are, you know, potentially background manipulation are obviously better implemented on the software. Is there a lot of stuff that kind of falls in the middle where you guys are kind of uh, duking it out, saying we should we should do that in the hardware, and they and they're saying we should do that in the software? I want to I want to hear some uh, some 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 details here. I want some more <laughs> details, Simon. Yeah, no, I think I, I, that's actually one of the benefits that we have since we only work with Zoom because, I mean, we, we have the luxury of starting with the customer problem, right, and, and, and try to figure out what is the best innovation here, what's the best solution for this problem, right, and since we're not doing anything but Zoom, we can then figure out how do we, how do we need to solve this and, and really not start from the technology or start from, well, we want to do this part or, you know, Zoom, you should do this part. Uh, so we're driving that from the innovations and from the solutions that we see to the problems. Then, of course, you know, we, we need to jointly figure out what is the best solution. But all we care about is happy Zoom customers, right? So, I mean, if Zoom can do a better job of solving one particular part of it or we can help or we can do a better job, you know, that's, that's more, you know, a result of, of whatever, you know, thing we're trying to solve here. That's an interesting point. Uh, you know, probably one of your benefits is that you have multiple vendors, but that must complicate things a little bit when you have some feature disparities between your services and you, uh, how, how do you deal with that? Yeah, no, I think that's a, a fair point, but in some ways that's kind of the answer too, right? Because since we do work with a number of different vendors, um, you know, you can work with Google, we actually work with Chime, I mean, lots of these different platforms, um, depending on the product. The big thing that's there is trying to make sure that for the user who's going through a day, maybe with a Zoom call, then a Teams call, uh, first of all, we can help to provide feature parity. So if there are things that are missing from a platform, um, maybe consciously, uh, we can make that experience uh, feel more transparent. Uh, and you are right, there are certain things where it's really obvious. If it's something that really needs information about the room, it's going to be better on the edge. Um, there's certain things that are better in the middle. There's others where uh, it's probably going to vary depending on the platform, whether they choose to put it in the cloud or leave it to the edge. Um, and similarly, there may be things where we can give you a subtly different experience, um, maybe retain privacy a little bit better uh, if we do certain things at the edge than in the cloud, which may matter or may not, depending on the customer, right? I, I so. want to double click on something you said. Some things are better on the, on the hardware because you know the room. Give, can you give me some examples of, of things that you think you can do better than the software powered? Solutions. Yeah, I mean, certainly. So there's some new things that we've got out today. We have our noise block AI technology, which is using machine learning to remove uh, a lot of sounds and noises, right? And uh, depending on the device, you can take advantage of things like um, uh, video that gives you information about where sounds are originating from, multiple microphones, uh, lots of things like that that just enable you to do a better job at the edge than you'd be able to do once, say, that video stream or audio stream 
um, has already been sent up to the cloud. That's not to say you can't do things in the cloud as well, but there are certain scenarios like that uh, where it just works better uh, with all the extra information that doesn't make it all the way up to the cloud. Right. Now, now Simon, so. Neat's kind of gone even a little further by adding some additional sensors to its equipment, like uh, air quality. Tell, tell, I mean, that's obviously going to be very difficult to do with a software-based solution. Tell me, how are, you, how are you using that, or is that a future still, or where, where's, what's the vision there? Yeah, so, so, the, so it's, it's really about, you know, uh, allowing this hardware to support the cloud and understanding of room, right? So, I mean, David talked about, you know, the, the video part of it, the audio part of it. Obviously, you can't, whatever, you know, unless the quality of the audio and video is good, you can't really analyze and do anything cool with it in the cloud anyway, right? But, you know, the, the sensors that we're adding is really taking it to the next level in terms of, you know, understanding what's happening in the room, right? So, the vision really is to to go beyond just, you know, uh, having a video endpoint, right? But understanding, you know, are there people in the room? How many people are in the room? Uh, are they in a meeting? Are they just huddling, you know, looking at paper, you know, using the screen share? You know, uh, are there too many people in the room? What is the room environment, right? I mean, is the air quality getting poor? Put this together with the utilization of, you know, and there's a lot of change going on now with our customers, right? They're, they're splitting up conference rooms to put small rooms in place. They're worried about, you know, virus spreading. So they want to keep their employees safe. So there's going to be a lot of focus now on understanding these room environments and, and the utilization. And, you know, do we have two large meeting rooms? Are people sitting far apart? Should we split them up? So, you know, this is really kind of the first step on the way to, to providing more understanding around the room, right? Now, now for a lot of people, um, the room system is somebody else's problem. I mean, I, people like myself use my desktop all day. And, and so the room system is something that it doesn't directly apply to me or does it? Tell, tell me how a room system affects a desktop user's experience. Um, uh, Simon. Yeah, so I, that's a really interesting one because, I, you know, it's been a long time problem that, you know, when you're in a, a, a larger conference room with a lot of people, uh, you typically end up as a tiny little head that, you know, really undermines the whole point of video, right? Yeah. And we're seeing that actually today with you know, some of our customers, they actually go to the office, they don't have enough conference room systems, they end up working from home because they don't want to look like a small little, you know, uh, miniature figure uh, among the other people, right? They want to have their own square. So I think that's an area where there's going to be some cool innovations coming in terms of making sure that, you know, even if you're in a conference room and there's a lot of people in there, you still have the right focus on, on the people, right? On so you're the talking about so auto framing really type of tech, auto framing technology? Well, auto framing is kind of the first step and we've been doing, you know, speaker tracking in the past, but there's, you know, there's compromises with all these solutions. What you ideally want is, you know, if you look at this call, you know, I can see both of you very nicely. Even if we had a, you know, conference room joining this call with five people, I would have liked to see those five people just like I see you guys, right? So again, I, I, I have to agree. How, I, I, yeah. I think auto framing, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by what you're saying. I think auto framing has been one of the biggest breakthroughs in video because, uh, you know, the, at first it was like remote control. That was, then I was distracted yeah. trying to, trying to re, uh, work the remote far end camera. And then uh, we had various versions. Uh, Polly, you were fairly early with the Eagle Eye. That was a sound based. But I think this current technology is just, just uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, David, did you have any thoughts on how a room system affects the uh, desktop? Yeah, no, I, I think in some ways, I like to say that as much as we try to make the experience for the people in the room as nice as we can, 
what really is the important part is making it nice for the far end because to to your point if i'm in the room with the 10 people i can turn my head i can look at the speaker right i know what's going on and really i think the role and and certainly what we try to do starting like you said way back with the eagle eyes and now with the newer ones where we can leverage machine learning to know where people are and how many people it's about making the far side you know, be able to do the same thing you do. You turn your head, you zoom your eyes in, so to speak, uh, in order to look at the speakers. And, and that's really where I think the room system is more important, arguably, for the far side, because we're trying to replicate that experience of being in there without having to pick up the remote and chase somebody around the room uh, like we did a few years ago. So no, I agree. I think that that's uh, you know, all these kind of things of basically having a, a producer in the box um, are really critical more so for the far side than the person who's in that conference room. All right. Uh, let's go back to the future. Back to the future. Uh, what kinds of problems are you secretly working on in your labs to solve? What, what, what is the, where is this industry going? And has the pandemic changed your priorities? Uh, David? Yeah, so, you know, I, I think one of the areas that's really important, and, and Simon even touched on it here, is providing more and more insights to folks at companies about um, the experience that people are having in meetings, right? And that's going to be extra critical, both as uh, we are reconfiguring the spaces, right? We're not going to maybe have as many people tightly packed. Um, we are going to have more people who want, at least for a good while here, to be working in spaces more by themselves and we'll be working from home. Uh, so I think providing insights to both the customers themselves of, hey, are there things that, sorry, the end users themselves, how can I make my meeting work better? How can I convey my point better? Uh, we also wanna be helping the administrators, uh, the people who are doing space planning, who are doing, uh, you know, helping the remote workers get on and get things going smoothly understand the equipment that they have and whether that's you know a home user who maybe does have a usb and a headset all the way up to a room that's got one of these you know bars from a, a need or a poly right helping them understand uh, all of that equipment how it's working and how they can best utilize uh, the spaces and the the remote workers they've got so i think that's kind of a real key area uh, for us, we're looking at that both for the products and more broadly, uh, kind of across the portfolio. Simon? Yeah, I think we've talked about sensors, right? So I think there's going to be a flurry of sensors. Um, so that's one thing, right? Getting all that, you know, understanding what's happening in the room and providing that to the software and, and to the cloud. I think one interesting thing that's come out of, you know, this, this COVID-19, uh, you know, situation is that, you know, customers are demanding touchless operation. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I think that, you know, that, that's a great example of how, you know, customers really want this technology to go away. They don't want to touch things. You know, they, they uh, so I think that's a, that's a, that's a really good challenge to us, but, you know, imagine this, you know, if you're, if you're in a room system with, you know, with a touch enabled display and, you know, you're presenting something on screen and you walk up to that system, you know, it shouldn't be that hard for the system to, you know, okay, this guy's probably trying to annotate, right. Or maybe, you know, if it's not sharing a presentation, you know, maybe he wants to do whiteboarding, right? Otherwise he wouldn't go up to the screen, right? So there's, you know, a, a whole flurry of things that we can do with all so these things. Isn't the whiteboard and the touchless right? uh, motivations, aren't those in conflict with each other? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's why you need a marker, right? So, you know, we've had customers ask us, you know, can you can you provide like a, a COVID nineteen package for the neat marker coming with a neat board, right? So that you can have your personal markers, so you don't have to touch the screen. I see. Yeah, but that's that's the thing, right? I mean, you you need to uh, consider these things. I think you know another thing which you know may sound a little boring, but you know is is camera. I think you know there's been a lot of innovation in camera. Is we're going to accelerate that. You know, PTZ cameras. I think for the most part is going to be dead high resolution, you know, image sensors that go beyond just, you know, the visual domain, right? So, okay, uh, so I'm glad you brought that of, one up. Because, sensors, because, I mean, yeah. Because the way that's working now is, is the companies like you, you guys are putting up 4K cameras, uh, manipulating the video, and then still sending it out at 1080, and so nobody knows that there's, there was loss of the manipulation because you're still at 1080 or even 720. But when I watch Netflix and stuff like that, I'm getting more and more 4K content. So as we, are we going to get to 4K video conferencing soon? And if so, uh, does that mean we have to have 8K cameras to continue the, uh, uh, the digital manipulation that's occurring, the lossless digital manipulation? David? Yeah, I mean, the answer of how soon we're going to get the 4K cameras is, you know, probably when we could sit in all debate, or sorry, the 4K experience is one I think we could all sit and debate for a while. And interestingly, I, I do wonder if the fact that so many more people are using video conferencing from home might actually delay that a little while because there's so many bandwidth constraints and things. But in, inevitably, yes, you know, that is the direction. I do think you will see uh, higher megapixel, you know, cameras going into the devices and ultimately, eventually, sure, we, we will, you know, have uh, 4K. I mean, there certainly is some today. It's just not that common. Uh, but over time, more and more of it will. You're watching your TV on Netflix. That's what you become used to. You're going to want that in your video experience eventually as well. And, you know, the technology is is going there. You look at the sensors that are in your your mobile phone, um, they're certainly capable of doing uh, the same kind of, of processing today for 4K. And, you know, in five years, maybe we'll be having this question about when we're going to get 8K, right? Um, yeah. But I, I agree that the mechanical PTZ is going to go away. There are ever increasingly high quality sensors. And we will be able to step up to those as we go to 4K and, and even maybe 8K eventually. All so. right. Well, with that, I think we'll wrap up this video interview and panel discussion. I think it's been really interesting. Thank you so much. David and I need to get to the rest of our day, and Simon needs to get to his evening. So uh, well, thank you both for joining us. Uh, we've got, uh, again, David Bryan from Poly and uh, Simon T uh, Tigre from, uh, from uh, Neat in Norway. And uh, thank you for joining me.